Jonathan, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for joining me. How's your day going? It's going great, Kevin. Thanks for having me. I'm a huge fan of the show. I've listened to every episode and just sitting here wondering if I'm going to listen to my own episode. Yeah. <laughs> for what it's worth, I hate listening to anything where I'm talking. It's normal. We all, uh, we all cringe. <laughs> um, well, cool. I, let's jump right in and tell people who you are and uh, you know where you're located and kind of why why you wanted to jump on and chat today. My name's Jonathan Gawk. I'm out of uh, Asheville, North Carolina. I've been in the building performance industry for close to a decade, and I uh, hopefully don't mislead my clients when I say that I've evaluated thousands of homes, though only a portion of those have been as a licensed real estate inspector. And I found that in my self-employment endeavor, there's no one at the water cooler to talk to. So <laughs> this is it. I'm, I'm among the many other home inspectors that get a lot of benefit from social media venues and podcasts. And the Spectora Spotlight just happens to be one of my favorites. And I'm in a unique um, endeavor with my home inspection business to incorporate building performance into my services, which can be thought of as a way of allowing my clients not to just learn about the condition of their home, like how you might purchase a car based off of how it looks, but also evaluate their home's performance in the same way that you would take your car for a test drive before you buy it. This um, additional scope that I'm folding in to my business uh, does some diagnostic services. Yeah. And, uh, it's just a unique line of work and I don't have many people to talk to about it. So I thought it'd be fun to, to share. Yeah. And we, we've only had one other guy on the pod. I think it's Andrew Sams um, who is big into building performance energy um, that side. So like, let's just define it first of all, for people that don't, you know, maybe there's home inspectors that are like, dude, what is building performance? Uh, you know, and I even myself want to learn more about it. So like, let's, let's lay it out for them. I, I like to think of it fundamentally as an gaining an intimate understanding of how buildings manage heat and moisture movement. Mm. So the whole purpose for the built environment is to separate ourselves from the outside. And the better we do that, the more durable, comfortable, affordable, energy efficient, pest resistant, fire resistant, on and on and on. All the things that we take for granted when our home does it well, and the things that we're frustrated about when it doesn't do well, and the car analogies are unlimited. Right. But as a building scientist, uh, those types of professions are using models, uh, field data to make design decisions for different climates based off of different material performances for specking insulation. And I think of myself not as a building scientist because I don't have an engineering background to calculate what the point in condensation is going to be inside a wall cavity in Southern Texas or <laughs> I'm a, as a building performance consultant, I think of myself as 
taking that industry knowledge gained over decades and learning how to apply it primarily to existing structures where you could branch off in this industry as, for example, a home energy rater, um, you know, passive house and things like that. And that would be new construction type building science applications. I love this. So tell me, what did you do for, when you said, I think you said 10 years in the business or what, what did you do before? Like, what was the job title? What was the day-to-day like? Um, there, I spent some time ashamed about my uh, frequent moves. I, I looked back at my resumes and I was like, man, I only hung out for like a year or two and several jobs and I got bored. That's how it but goes. That's how it goes nowadays. It, 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 it turned, and the, the only thing that has kept my interest over the years is this um, industry that I was aware of and building performance. And so it ended up that all those experiences were led me to this point in a way that I couldn't have even planned for, but are really ideal. So I spent a couple years in the solar industry and I realized that putting solar on an inefficient house is like taking your car to the shop and they put a new engine in it instead of fixing the flat tire. Mm. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. That makes sense. So, and then I worked for a mechanical contractor and I began to appreciate how the mechanical system is by far the most complicated, most technical uh, thing in your home. It's the most expensive to operate. Could is often the most expensive thing to re- repair or replace, you know, other than maybe like your roof. Um, and then I worked for a utility company and did thousands of consultative energy audits. I managed a low income weatherization program. So all these experiences gave me the opportunity to uh, interact with thousands of homeowners and different homes providing different services that are all part of what it takes to understand how a house works. And now I'm not an expert in either of those. I'm kind of like, an expert jack of all trades. And that's another way to think of building performances, like how a contractor knows how to build a house, doesn't necessarily know they have, mean they have to know how it works. And I don't know, I have to know how to build one, but I have to know how, how it works. Yeah, so how long have you been a home inspector? I pulled my North Carolina license three years ago okay. and did it on the side, build my confidence, and uh, network around that. And then I had a contract ended with that great funded weatherization program, had a kid. Oh, congrats, congrats. Yep, my, my wife uh, left her job to be at home and COVID all at the same time. Ooh, okay. <laughs> so you've got your COVID story, yep. So depending on, on which flavor uh, of the story to share, um, I don't feel my, that I really started being a self-employed home inspector until last spring. Okay. How's it been going since? I was so sad last, like early last spring, cause the phone wasn't ringing. And I was like, gosh, if I had just been around a year or two earlier, I would be getting phone rings off the hook. And it didn't last long and I got slammed (laughs) and I I had to learn how to not ride that emotional roller coaster of 
when the phone's ringing and not ringing. But busy for me last summer was like three to five inspections a week. Okay. And my inspections take usually like three to five hours. And last year they were anywhere like 30 to 50% more expensive than the other inspectors in my market. So once I looked at my books and my stats for that first official year of business, I've made a lot of changes about my services and price structures this year to try to do a better job of providing options that my clients may or may not need. Mm-hmm. Still offering that higher price point to sell the elephants instead of the peanuts, mm-hmm. but not miss out on that kind of what I call volume retail inspections where you just show up and check the boxes right. versus the more diagnostic consultative services that I have to sell. So what did you do? Did you set up different service packages and tiers to kind of cater to all types of buyers? I, I look forward if we have the opportunity to follow up in the months or years to come to see how this pans out. But what I started this early this year is what I call a basic inspection and that's the condition and a premium inspection, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is the performance and condition and the basic inspection is your conventional, you know, two and a half to four hour inspection, three to $500 range mm-hmm. maybe with a couple hundred dollars worth of add-ons. We have a lot of septic and radon and uh, oh, pest, pest inspections in this area. Mm-hmm. So my average inspection last year was around 600. 600. Yeah. That's amazing. It, I know it, it's I, when I, I, I felt so, um, yeah, uncertain about how to evaluate my performance being in the first year. And then I looked at that number and I was like, oh, that's pretty sweet. <laughs> You're doing something right. The national average is still about 360. So, okay. Uh, you have to and there half, were, half as many inspections to, to make the same money. Right. And so I got to spend a lot more time with my family than, uh, I think a lot of home inspectors did last summer and even talking to some of my buddies, they were like, "Woo, that was a blast last summer. But if you asked me if I wanted to do it over again, I would say no way. Right. Like they, they don't want to do that again. And so that kind of helped, um, relieve me of my, uh, perceived regret, you know, that I, that I hadn't been more established. What was your thought process and, and kind of approach to that? Because, everyone knows they need to charge more. Not everyone can and does. So like what, what was the precursor to that even? Because not everyone does, this isn't normal. So that's why I want to hear like the the thought. That's a great question. I have um, several influences uh, on the personal side, like my dad and um, other relatives that were like, you, you got to value yourself, you know? And, and I've been, kind of brought up that way. But I also had worked for contractors that kept their employees busy being the low bid Mm -hmm. and ones that kept us busy being the high bid. And so when I worked for the mechanical contractor and I was in sales doing residential replacements and I got mine because I was the most expensive. So I just learned how to, um, how to sell that way. And, and I thought of myself as like, okay, when I'm 
a self-employed home inspector, I'm not even going to post my prices. I use this Victoria um, quote and schedule feature, but I don't have a list because I kind of want to be like that restaurant where you look at the menu and it, if you have to ask what the price is, you know, maybe that's not what you should order. <laughs> right, right, right. And, um, but again, I'm not in the position at this point in my business where I'm getting enough requests to turn down work. Granted, I'm working less, making the same or more, but I want to be in the place where I'm like turning down business. So that's kind of where I've decided to branch in to the retail value inspection and the, the premium inspection. So how has it been going in terms of the education, the, the take rate? Um, you know, it sounds like there's some successes, like what's our, what challenges are there with educating people on building performance? Because I got to be honest, it's a term that's not widespread. It's not a household term yet. Yeah. Um, I think when you get the chance to talk with people about what it is and maybe even refer to myself as a doctor for houses. Mm, I like that. I like that branding. Or, or somebody referred to me as a, a moisture guru. <laughs> you know, it's like I hired a roofer, a plumber, mechanical contractor, nobody could figure out where this moisture is coming from. Um, so they kind of get it, but yeah, the problem or the challenge to overcome is that I feel like everybody needs me, whether you're in real estate or not, because I provide services outside of the real estate industry that, uh, but they don't know that I exist. Right. They don't know what to call me to, to look, you know, to seek me out. They don't know what to search. Yeah. And, they, and then they wouldn't know what to expect and how much they should be willing to pay. So it's a totally different type of sales process than like, Hey, my heat pump broke. I need to get a quote today. Right. That that's easy. Yeah. That's easy. <laughs> yeah. So the, I think the main channel of communicating like with realtors might be the pre-listing inspections mm. because okay. of what's happening a lot of times now where people are dropping their pre-purchase inspection and there's not a lot of room for negotiation. This is like another, um, another way to just be like, Hey, this is what the house is. Right. And not only, and then we went above and beyond and we got a premium inspection. So you can be totally confident that, you know, your buyer, if they, since we're not going to negotiate, and we're not going to give them a long due diligence period. Like this is your, this is your premium inspection. So that's one thing I've considered. Has the pre-listing, it's always a big question mark in the industry of, you know, the percent of people that actually do it, they're realtors that actually believe in it. Um, yeah. How are you, are you seeing early good results there or is it still a challenge to let agents know, Hey, you should be doing, I haven't, you know, I haven't been in the practice, maybe like a lot of home inspectors of pushing the pre-listing inspection, even though I get a lot of feedback from people where they're like, Jonathan, you should do pre-listing inspections. Your service is perfect for that. I'm like, yeah, but if 
find me someone who's actually wants to buy it. Right. Right. <laughs> and, and so, but I have had a handful of conversations with agents that are like, I for the right kind of house where there's not a ton of problems, I would really like to have that, you know, get my, my seller to do one of those. And so I just set this pricing up at the beginning of the year and I've done maybe a dozen inspections this year and two of them have been the premium inspection. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's but not any, I've done any pre-listing inspections this year. What do you think about the market for existing homeowners? They're not buying or selling that need their house to run more efficiently because that's opens up your market to everybody pretty much. That, that's, that's the majority of my off season business. Okay. How are you getting that business or what's, what's worked well there? Cause to me, I'll it's give like you my idea in a second in terms of content marketing. Cause uh, I want to hear kind of how it's working though. Great. I, I love that. It's like a hundred, it's about a hundred percent word of mouth. Awesome. Yep. And this is people seeking out what, like, what are they, what do they say they need when, uh, when they get a hold of you? Here's a, here's a great, here's a great one that I, I was really happy to be a part of. The wife told her husband, we're moving if we can't figure out why this house is so dusty. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Dust. as, okay. As a salesperson, I was like, yummy. You just spilled all your candy you know, like showed me your cards and divulged your pain. Right. And I honestly, I could have helped them solve their problem over the phone. Like I've been in so many houses and could look up their, you know, had the benefit of being able to look up their house on realtor.com or whatever to be like, I know why your house is dusty and I could tell you how to fix it over the phone, but they want that in-person experience and they solicited me for a blower door. Okay. And the, the frustrating thing was for me is that the husband had prior work experience managing a high rise building in like New York city and had seen contractors come in with a blower door. And so he was like, I think this is what my wife and I need to figure out our problem. And they Googled that and found a contractor in Asheville that has a blower door, but they didn't find me. It wasn't until they contacted that contractor that I have a personal relationship with. And they said, we don't, we don't drive out that far. We only work in town. Mm -hmm. Give our friend Jonathan a call. You know, he, he does that kind of stuff. So it was great that they found me, but I was frustrated that I, my web presence didn't allow me to connect to them first. And I, it doesn't matter either way, but it just kind of alerted me. And, uh, I did a, what I call a home checkup. So that includes some basic uh, maintenance, you know, condition related observations, but I did a full blower door diagnostic on their home with infrared thermography. And it was like 20 degrees out that day. So I had just these beautiful images that allowed me to communicate really clearly. This is where your infiltration is coming from. This is why it's undesirable and how it's going to help you solve your dust problem. And then within an hour of submitting that report, the wife calls me up and she was just thrilled. It was like a 15 minute message Beautiful. about, she was so happy that she's and confident that 
the solutions I proposed would, would fix the problem. Did you ask her to do a testimonial for your website? If not, yep. my, 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 uh, email or my, my actions, you know, go out and get, get great reviews. Perfect. Yeah. Yep. Someone like that. It's like, boom, that should be a video on the homepage being like, you have to call Jonathan. <laughs> yep. Um, I'm curious, do you see, do you think there's more potential in the building performance and energy audit world for you or in home inspections or does home inspections feed the other? And there's this harmonious balance of like, let me do like a hundred or 200 a year. And then I do like 300 of the energy stuff. That is, uh, that's the daily dilemma. <laughs> and I don't, I don't even know if it's, it feels like a dilemma because I um having this uh, insecurity about my career of getting bored and getting distracted and going different ways. I'm like, Jonathan, you got to stay focused. You're a home inspector. Don't go too off course. Right. But really, my problem is that I have too many choices. And what I'm learning is they're, they're all complementary. My branding is still the same. My phone number is still the same. My website's the same. I use Spectora for real estate reports and consultative reports. Mm -hmm. um, and I think I'm feeling more attracted to the diagnostic existing homeowner. And that as the years go on, it might be like, oh yeah, I have my home inspection license. I do that when people need it, but my forward facing business is in the building performance realm. And so that's kind of like uh, how a potter really likes to sell like a $300 bowl, but most of the people could come into the shop, get the $20 coffee mug. Right. And, and so I pulled my home inspection license as a way to quickly tap into an existing market that would allow me to transition to self-employment and not go hungry and keep my, you know, my new baby clothed and fed <laughs> and after their first year, I'm like, okay, I think I've got the confidence to where like the real estate might be the, where I can sell more bowls basically. Yeah. And, and that the mugs is just something I've already got in the truck for that analogy came through clear. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I want to get back to the energy audits and, and building performance stuff in a second, but what, what challenges did you have with meeting agents? Um, kind of like the, I ask almost every new inspector this cause I always like hearing how you went out there, how you built confidence, how you started shaking hands to kind of get going. Cause I think everyone can learn something from everyone else in that, in that area. The, the answer to that is easy. I, I haven't, <laughs> <laughs> I, I haven't found what works and I haven't, uh, gotten my confidence up on that. Like I hear listening to podcasts and, you know, friendships with other home inspectors, like, oh, you got to go in there and get those sales meeting presentations they have once a week and you got to drop off stuff. And so I've done a little bit of, of that, but you kind of get this feeling that the person you're talking to is just the front desk person and that they're really happy to take your stack of brochures and tell you that they're going to hand it out and email everybody and that you probably get at least one phone call, I'm sure, you know. It, no one ever calls and like don't hear back from anyone. So the agents that I work with 
really are people that I knew before I was a home inspector. And the longer I become a home inspector, the more realtors I realize that I, I know, and I didn't like, I get on Facebook and I'm like, Oh, Joey, my college roommate's wife is a home inspector. And so the word of mouth has been the most successful for me. And those like, I guess volume marketing strategies of like getting a relationship with a lot of realtors kind of seem either antiquated or compromised with uh, COVID and things like that. But I also have been trying to do my due diligence on the social media side and just like sort of following every single realtor I could find and, you go. and like commenting on their pictures being like, oh, what a beautiful hike you had today or like your dog looks like it's having a great time or, you know, and not just like, hey, that house looks like it has a great deck or just just yeah. trying to like practice what it is, what it means like today to make a friend on the internet, you know? Oh, very well said. <laughs> very well said. Yeah. And I think that really, re- that's going to resonate with a lot of people listening because most people think it's like a formula or playbook to very strictly follow, but it's being a human, but like translating it to like the little Instagram comment box, which is not easy. Yeah. And, and I don't think, I don't know if it's really worth my time. We'll, we'll see. I have a, um, a business coach that I started working with and he was like, it's all about the, the referrals and asking for the referrals and being a good salesperson and having the patience to allow your business to go through that. But um, I'd also love to turn down jobs. And so I think in order to do that, I've got to do a little bit of everything. I, I agree. I think you've, you've listened to all the podcasts. And so it's like, I think we both understand. It's, yeah, yeah. it's farming and not fishing. I tell people like pay per click is fishing. You're going to just like reel it in. You'll catch a fish then you got to go catch another farming. You're planting these seeds all over the place and social media is not worth it until it is. And you get this agent who, you know, does 10 a month and you're like, wow, I got that just from Instagram. I haven't heard that analogy. I I like that a lot. And I, I want to be a sales consultative home inspector and not a, a retail box checking. Yeah. So the, the farming analogy feels, feels good. And you're, you have a unique, uh, maybe not fully, you know, not unique, but I think you're in an advantageous position for where lifetime value of a potential client in terms of revenue goes way up because you can follow up with them and do the yearly energy audit or, Hey, let's keep track of your energy bills and lower them over time. And in a lot of situations, I don't even have to follow up. They, my report is so well all the content is so well built that they're like, Oh yeah, Jonathan, I remembered in your report, you said this and they, they call me up. So tomorrow I'm going out to a house that I inspected in August and he called me up. He was like, Jonathan, I was taking a bath in the upstairs bathroom and it was so windy while it was snowing that snow came in and landed on his shoulder and he like, he could feel the snow. And so I, or any, any home inspector could have been like, Oh shit like I'm, I'm in trouble, you right, know, right. He was calling me because he wanted to pay me a, to come out again. And so 
I'm charging probably, yeah, I think I quote him like 600 bucks to come out and do an energy audit, which is more than, yeah. So, yeah. and that was because I maintain expectations with them about what the scope of an inspection, real estate inspection is at that time and, um, and what else could be learned about their home. So they experienced some pain. They connected it with, you know, the expectations that I set with them in uni in the beginning, and then I'm going back out. Oh, oh, here's an idea for you. This is just off the top. Okay. I'm excited. I get excited about this. So like, if you have an action that goes out at three months and or six months and just says, Hey, what's your average energy bill been for the last three months? And then maybe we have a calculator on your website where it links them to your site where they just punch in their energy bill and maybe the the model of their furnace or something, something to to kind of re-engage to where you're like, I need to come back out there. Let's do something. The the other thing I've been considering along those lines is I'm a a huge fan of uh, Cranium Pro radon Mm -hmm. testing equipment. And they have a lot of great consumer products. And so I could give them for free an air quality monitor and potentially have access to the data. What's the name of the company? I, I don't know if I've heard of that one. What is it called? Uh, it's called Air, air Things. Oh, I've heard of Air Things. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. The Crentium Pro is their professional grade um, radon you know, equipment. So the air so, quality would the air quality tester ha- cost you anything, or do they give it for free? It would cost me. Um, they cost about one hundred and fifty bucks. So like, I've got a. It's it's not too bad. And like before I started my business, I was always like, my dream is to have like a minimum of a thousand dollars per inspection, and and only do inspections that are like eight hours long. Right. Right. Um, but I want volume. <laughs> to keep money coming in until I can just say, Oh yeah, I don't do, I don't do basic inspections anymore. Yeah. I think you're setting yourself up to be able to do both and then kind of tweak, you know, the knobs up and down based on kind of what's working, what's not and knowing your numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the idea of getting the air quality testers in there. Cause that just, that sets up for a future kind of diagnostic visit and, and everything like that. And it helps people. It's just a value add. So I'm, I'm all for yep. that. What, what, I guess, where's your mind at in terms of growing the business, where you're focusing, like, you want to talk content marketing, like what, yeah, what's, what's interesting to you in this industry and in, in this world? I think a lot about how the industry might change and how, much time I need to spend developing the different types of services that I provide and how that, what level of participation that is and new construction, existing homeowners and real estate. And so for example, I don't have any data or, you know, personal research to back this up. It's just kind of anecdotal gut feeling that as technology antiquates some of the realtor services like at some point certainly people will still want the the in-person experience of a live realtor that comes to show them the house but it's going to be a ton of people 
who love going online, getting an access code, going to look at the house themselves and not having somebody comment about where they could fit the couch or <laughs> what color they could change the walls. Yeah, it's not you know, helpful, not helpful. And providing unqualified consultation about repairs and stuff like that. Oh, and, that's an understatement, yeah. Yeah, and so as that happens, I was thinking that the real estate industry might turn into more how appraisals, appraisers get their work, which is basically the bank posts a list of sites and allows them to bid. And that um, has pros and cons. The, the consequences is that I don't really get to sell my services anymore. It's purely retail. Like mm. the, the, the mortgage company gets to set the limits on the bid and then a, me and a bunch of other home inspectors and the zip code or whatever going on being like, Oh, I want this one. I'll lowball it for three fifty, And I'm like, man, my average is going down. Right. But, but also it does allow me to create more of a, a niche. I really love this thought experiment. I don't think anyone has explained it in that way, or even thought, thought this is, you know, pontificated. This is where the industry could go because if agents role does eventually shrink, mm -hmm. that's going to drastically change how you guys market yourselves and where you need to be. If there's no, I guess, um, central marketplace, like you said, if the mortgage companies are, are the ones controlling it, that's scary. I think for the industry, as yeah. well. if, if retail is just going out and having to find their own, then it becomes a game of ads, SEO content, and, and that'll and, win. I mean, the, the trend amongst all industries is to kind of like dehumanize the services right. and, and, and like subcontract basically data collectors, right. you know, my, my old software that I was using before I switched to Spectora got by a home insurance, you know, company. And I was like, they're not in it to provide me good software. They're in it to like harvest my data. Sell insurance. Yeah. And so there's so many other ways that, that, that that's happening. You know, cause there are some inspectors and, and we're, trust me, we're thinking of ways to still provide that same value to the homeowner, but maybe let the inspector control the experience or share the rewards with the inspector, as opposed to, Hey, we'll pay you four bucks for the lead. And then we're going to go try and sell them everything under the sun. Like what, like, do you believe the homeowner is almost up for grabs for like who provides these extra value add services and should they come from the agent or the home inspector, or should we just let them Google it to find uh, movers, yeah. insurance, things like yeah. that? I just signed up for uh, insurance through QuickBooks. Mm -hmm. It's like convenient to me, but then again, I've got people on a lead group that I participate with who I could have gotten my insurance from. And I, I feel like guilty about that. So I'm, I'm fighting against the consumer behaviors that I practice myself. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good way to put it. That's a great way to put it. What's your take on kind of the increasing narrative that consumer, like the home buyer, they're going to shop for insurance movers, contractors right, right. after the fact, should the role of the home inspector increase? So one, one thought I have a lot of times is getting 
the referral, for example, from the realtor is like going to a used car lot and asking the sales guy, Hey, I love this car. I'd like to go get checked out by a mechanic. Do you have any recommendations? And he's like, Oh, don't worry. We got somebody out back. Mm -hmm. And You know, realtors are supposed to provide a couple options, but it, it's pretty easy for them through word choice to push their client towards a certain home inspector. Right. And providing a premium inspection that goes beyond state standard of practice. I think I scare off a lot of realtors because they're like, it's already hard to manage their clients. Oh, excuse me. Emotional intelligence about the results of a basic inspection. And then this guy wants to charge more to tell them even more about a house. So for me, when I think about trying to bridge real, the real estate industry and building performance, I'm all about not being a part of that uh, bundled, you know, experience. I want, for example, people, a lot of people my, are our age, you know, like thirties, new, new home buyers, they find me online and they say, I picked you cause your website looked awesome and, and your branding is on point and I can pay online. And I know that I'm not going to get a paper report. Whereas like some, the realtor's recommendation might've been like, man, now I got to work with this new guy. And I always loved getting the other home inspector who dropped off the paper report at my house before he showed it to the client. So I could look it over and, you know, and I'm even thinking about like disabling the, the realtor input through Spectora because I just want to work with those people who want a direct line of communication with me. Yeah. I think, I think there's gold here. I think expand yeah. on that. So tell me what, what a world like that would look like if, if you continue to go down that path. Um, by De de denying myself the pace of growth that I might want by following the conventional sales strategies, dropping off donuts and, you know, making friends with all the realtors I can find and really just allowing that to be what it is. People find me that way and really focus on the building performance side of my business that is really successful through word of mouth because when these people are like, Oh, I'm so glad you're not going to move because you fixed your desk problem. By the way, my grandkids are coming to visit and the back room smells musty. And my daughter-in-law gives me a hard time about it and she's not going to let them stay because you know, that those are where the good leads come from. But it just, I think that just takes more time. Yeah. Yeah. What, what ideas do you have in terms of, uh, like you've laid out some really cool and specific pain points, right? And so mm -hmm. I feel like these are case studies we could take to the bank and create content around to show to people to be like, hey, do you have this problem too? Because my last three clients said this is a big problem. Like, how do we market this better? Yeah, I've got so much content um, that I've collected at providing my service and during these, um, the off real estate season, I'm going through and sorting through all those like images and thinking about how to use those. And for example, I had to set my blower door up 
is in my office. So it's not a, a real life application of a blower door, but I just said, Jonathan, get your cell phone out, prop it up on the desk and just film yourself. And I made this sweet time-lapse video of me setting up the blower door that I had no idea would look good, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So where did I you post it, it or where did you put it? Um, my channels are LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, and Google okay. my business. Cool. And then on my website and I got, that was a wildly successful post. People loved seeing what a blower door is. I had never heard of one, mm -hmm. had an idea, but hadn't seen, you know, what it is. And so I've just got to have the self-discipline to make that a regular part of my practice to, um, create that content that I already have. <laughs> you have it. That's yeah, the thing. If you have it, you don't have, to, yeah. It's just hitting record and talking and doing it. Yeah. And this summer, you know, when I was doing three and five inspections a week, that, that took me all week. That was like a full work. I haven't um, got to that point and maybe won't ever get to the point where I'm the kind of inspector when the report's done before you put all the driveway. Yeah. So um, I didn't have the time for that, but that's when I was collecting all my content. I love this for one. So congrats on being able to put out something. And to me, that's creative content. I think like the things, a lot of inspectors get insecure and think like, oh, do people really care about this? It's like, who cares? Just try it and see what happens. Yeah. I, I saw another home inspector posts on Instagram where they just took their cell phone, put it in front of their face and press record before they walked into the house. And I loved it. They, they talked about the house and you know, what their client was looking for and what he was, you know, planning on finding. And I was like, you feel so into like anxious about something like that. It's not a natural behavior to like, you know, film yourself, but I, I'm practicing just getting more comfortable with that. Good for you. I, I think this is my opinion of like millennials, maybe older millennials, which I kind of, I, I'm on that border of like millennial Gen X and above. It's not natural to do the whole selfie thing. It feels silly and stupid, but the yeah. quicker all of us can wrap our heads around the fact that like, it's what we're saying and talking to people about that matters. And my main motivation for that content is not actually to post it on the social media channels. It's so that if I have a phone call with somebody and I don't feel like I really got to go through the whole sales process with them on the phone, then I'll send them a little link to a YouTube video or whatever that says, is, is my rundown about the difference between a basic inspection and a premium inspection. I might have some clips of me setting up a blower door and you know some drone footage, and I'm gonna overlay me talking about my business and the services I provide with all this content like that I said I already have and I feel like that's going to be really good way to connect with people through this like digital friend making world you know and then of course I can post all that content but it's it's really there for my website and for my uh email automations through Spectora I'm going to like embed videos that say like hey you're going to have an energy audit today we're going to do thermography set your thermostat to this and might have a little video explaining why. And oh, I love, I love the direction you're going to go and you're going. Um, I think it's underutilized still. I, I, I pound the desk on this almost every episode of 
like just start producing content and good things will happen. It is blind faith at the end of the day because there's no immediate payoff. Yep. I've, I've got like, I'm either busy being busy or busy trying to be busy. <laughs> and uh, I'm learning how to delegate what I can because I've got, I don't know, probably six hours worth of site work this week, not including travel time. Mm-hmm. And then every week, I took 60 hours just, I'm staring at a screen right now on my advanced feature actions. And it's certainly better than looking at a spreadsheet, but it's pretty close. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I don't like spreadsheets. And it's, yeah. I mean, it's been hours you know, on this. I've been using Spectora for over a year and I still haven't dialed in my, my automations. Right. It, I, I'll, I'll say this, I, not that you asked for my advice, but I, I, my thought process is telling is like, go to the whiteboard and map out what your ideal customer journey would be and write out kind of the key message you're trying to get across at three months, six months after the inspection, and then go in and write the email based on like that strategy. Cause it, it man, it's overwhelming. I agree. Um, you come up with a new idea and you're like, Oh, I got to go change all of those, you know, <laughs> all the actions, where's all these touch points. Yeah. 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 Um, and so like, I only say this because at Spectora, we're, we're really trying to document everything way better of like, okay, when someone signs up, what email do they get and when, and where's that email detailed? So then we can keep track of it all. And I can only imagine with actions, especially with all your upsells, you could have a hundred paths, a hundred branches. And I, I learned like look closer at the features today to learn how to make more generic actions mm-hmm. that appear customized. Right. Uh, instead of, cause I've got six different services that I offer. And then each of those services has different kinds of add-ons. And I, yeah, I don't want like hundreds of different um, automations. That's a good point. I think you hit on something really really good for anyone on actions is because I think some people try or most inspectors try to create a path. Okay. If they got passed, but not raid on send this, if they got raid on, but not pest, send this. Yeah. Are you talking about having one, if they didn't book all your services, they get an email talking about all your services. And then they, are you saying that where it's just like a simplified that, path? That and, um, this is simple and maybe a lot of people have freed this out already, but I had a confirmation email for every service because uh, I felt right. it needed to say certain things. And so what I've come up with is just a generic, your appointment is confirmed and put the, whatever those actions are that you can you know drag in from the side that mm-hmm. says, and so I kind of just let go of like it looking like an automated email. I was like, it's okay. It doesn't yeah. have to, I wrote every single one. I was right. just projecting my own. Yeah. yeah. I'm a, I'm a big <laughs> fan of simplifying while still saying, Hey, did you know that 62% of houses have radon in North Carolina? Like click here to learn more, like giving them those crumbs to upsell. I, I I'm a big fan of that approach. Oh, phone's ringing. You can take it. I can, I can always edit, I can always edit it out. That I had a hard time finding the off button on my wife's laptop the other day. And I said, Oh, it's happening. I'm a Luddite. I, <laughs> I, didn't even, I didn't even know my phone could ring on my laptop. <laughs> I, I get shocked sometimes. I get shocked. Um, 
Well, cool. I, I mean, we're, we got to wrap up here in a few minutes, but like what, what else didn't we cover or chat about that, that you kind of want to put out there, even if it's, Hey, let's connect with new inspectors or the future. What, what's interesting that we didn't cover. I, I found in my participation in the home inspection industry and the real estate industry, a huge difference between people that, uh, found a great connection with a way to be self-employed and take care of their family and, and others that found themselves there through a, a passion, you know, and I think both are, are completely valid. And, yeah. and even those home inspectors that went from being a, bus driver or a landscaping company to be a home inspector can, can do a great job, but it prompts me to think about why am I doing this? What do I want to get out of it? How much do I need to pay myself to make it worth it? Mm. What's, what's my household budget? And then it's much easier to think about how I need to spend my time. And so the beginning of this year, I was like, God, I got to, have more realtors. Cause everyone you talk to you and you say, I'm a home inspector. They're like, Oh, you need to know realtors. You need to be friends with realtors. And you just hear that all day. And my, I get this heavy feeling in my chest where I'm like, Oh, <laughs> don't want to do it. You right. know? And it's like, okay, what's the ego part of that? What's, what's the, the flawed thinking behind it? Like my wife is like, yeah, Jonathan, it sounds like you had a terrible interaction with that realtor today because they overstepped their, their bounds, you know, and you had to refrain, <laughs> but she's like, not all realtors are like that. And there's probably a ton out there more than the ones you already know that you love. And so like, be open to that. But these are all the things that I'm like, okay, it's Home inspection industry, real estate industry is great, but it utilizes a really nominal portion of the value that I can offer my clients. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I feel like it's going to the doctor because you've got a high fever and they willingly ignore the cancer on your back. <laughs> and so when I do these inspections, I'm like, oh God, I could tell you so much more about this place that you'd really want to know, but your realtor's over there and she's not going to refer me again if I start talking about zonal prefer dif differences and, you know, how your house is leaky and the indoor air quality is terrible. And, right. and so I'm, I'm going to keep taking what money and demand is there organically through the time that I have to build my real estate side, but I'm really going to take the leap toward and continue to follow my passion for, for the building science. And I'm getting my home energy rater certification this year and some other building performance Institute credentials that will allow me to provide, do like energy modeling and uh, things like that. And even probably push, probably displace my realtor marketing with contractor marketing mm. where I'll be. And, and there's just so many things we, that could be a whole nother hour conversation about why I think that somebody like me should be spending more time networking with contractors than with realtors. <laughs> fair, fair point. 
fair point. Yeah. And I'll, I'll leave with this that I think between like, it sounds like you're hitting the actions hard and working on that combined with good content, which you're starting to create. I think it's only a matter of time before you start reaching all of those people you did a home inspection for and getting a higher percentage of them contacting you for those. So you can tell them all those things that you maybe didn't talk about on the inspection. Yeah. Um, and then I love that you said, oh, I don't like networking with the realtors. That doesn't come natural to a lot of inspectors and that's okay. I have found that great content that they can pass along and look smart by passing along is kind of a good way to their heart without maybe having to go to Starbucks and buy them a, yeah. two, you know, $6 coffee. Um, and you have the content around energy that you can create. So I'm, I'm excited for you on what you can create in the future. And that this isn't a hobby anymore. It's, it's my livelihood. So I don't have to enjoy it. I don't have to feel comfortable with it. I just got to do it. Yeah. Yeah. And leverage your strengths. So let's, let's, we could talk more offline in terms of content creation and actions. Cause I think you, you have a unique spot where you could create some cool content because energy bills are kind of a hot button issue. Like everyone cares about their energy bill. That's a, that's a easy one to yeah. put in front of people, especially in this, uh, in this environment of like, Hey, look at this energy bill. You want this to go down? I can help. <laughs> yeah. Well, cool. Jonathan. Um, thank you, man. This was great. This was super informative. I think it, it's going to put more awareness out there of this side of the business. And I think this is where the future is going is services after the home inspection that you guys can provide. I think this is 100% where the puck's going. A lot of the things I, I do are accessible to, to any home inspector. It's not, um, doesn't require out of reach expertise. There's some basic equipment and, and understanding that can bring a lot of value to any home inspector. Big fan. Um, if people want to get a hold of you, is the website the best place? Mm -hmm. All right. Energyhomeinspection.com. That's a kick-ass domain. Congrats on getting that. Um, I saw that and I was like, Ooh, that's a premium domain. Good job. Thank you. Um, yeah, people can go there and uh, I'm sure you'll get some, some questions. Cause I think this is an area a lot of new inspectors should be diversifying into. Thank you so much. I enjoyed it. Right on. Have a great rest of your day and, uh, we'll catch up again. We'll do a catch up episode to see how this is going in the future. Till next time. All right. Thanks.